Buckeye coaches are some of the game's best. Woody, Urban, Trestle, Paul Brown. But not all OSU coaches were destined for the Hall of Fame. David Farragut Edwards won a national championship playing halfback at Princeton. He was an accomplished lawyer. He was also the worst coach in Ohio State football history. In the early days of the program under Coach Edwards, the Buckeyes hit rock bottom. It was a moment that pushed the athletic department to the brink of collapse. A moment where the enthusiasm of a wild man led to a major misstep in the hunt for OSU's head football coach. A misstep that would test the Buckeyes for decades to come and enrich the coaching ranks of their greatest foe, Michigan. This is the story of David Farragut Edwards. Winds of change blew in 1896. Athens, Greece held the first Summer Olympic Games of the modern era. Utah became the 45th state. The first car drove through Detroit. It was also an election year. The people elected Ohio Governor William McKinley, the 25th President of the United States. And closer to Columbus, the Southern Theaters opened its doors for the very first time. Things were changing in college football too. They would soon have huge implications in Columbus. It is perhaps not a coincidence that the man behind the founding of the Big Ten was smart. He was James H. Smart, the president of Purdue. Under the leadership of smart representatives from seven universities established the Western Conference, the forerunner of today's Big Ten. Purdue, Chicago, Illinois, Michigan, Minnesota, Northwestern, and Wisconsin stood as charter members. At Ohio State, different developments were underway. They began with a telegram. The athletic department wasn't pleased with what had taken place on the field the previous season, and they had a message for head coach Charles Hickey. A first-year Ohio State head coach, Hickey came to Columbus after captaining Williams College. A med student served in the role of acting coach until Hickey arrived. It proved fortunate that Ohio State had a med student around because the season was largely a giant pain. Under the coaching of Hickey, the Buckeyes finished with a mediocre 5-5-1 record, and it could have been much, much worse. Just consider who the Buckeyes played. Ohio State played Ohio Medical University, Columbus's leading med school, and they played them three times that year, winning two contests and tying another. Who was Ohio Medical? Well, Years later, Ohio Medical merged with a competitor, Starling Medical College, to form Starling Ohio Medical College. Then President of Ohio State, William Oxley Thompson, became President of Starling Ohio Medical College. And in 1914, he was instrumental in that college becoming Ohio State's College of Medicine and College of Dentistry. That's a long way of saying that the Buckeyes achieved a 500 record by beating up on their future medical and dental schools. Pushing around doctors and dentists wasn't exactly a distinguishing feature of a championship program. So, the telegram arrived. Coach Hickey opened it, and his gaze touched the page. The words were quite clear. Hickey was fired. Even a century ago, a 5-5-1 record wasn't going to cut it in Columbus. And with that, the hunt for a new football coach was on. 
Football was a different game back then. It was a brutal one at that. If you saw it today, you'd be inclined to mistake it for rugby. Scrums were common, forward passing, illegal. Punching, scratching, and worse were frequent. It was not polite or refined. It was brutal, grinding, and more often than not, underhanded. The best teams were found in the Ivy League East. Yale, Harvard, Princeton. They dominated. Many programs beyond the Appalachian Mountains were still in the early days of existence. They were still crawling out of the primordial ooze, fighting to build their reputations. OSU's program had come a long way in its seven seasons of existence. Football at Ohio State started in 1890. OSU's first coach, Alexander Lilly, preferred to come to practice on the back of an Indian pony back then. The program was still getting off the ground. And in those early years, the Buckeyes went through three coaches in seven seasons. In that same span, they achieved only two winning seasons. Was this the best that Ohio State could muster? Average? To be sure, Ohio State had potential, but many schools did. What the Buckeye program needed was a spark. Who would ignite the program? With Coach Hickey fired, one coaching candidate in particular was eager for the job and confident he could spark success. Before he won 10 Big Ten titles, before he won six national championships, before his squad played 56 consecutive games without a loss, 56, Fielding Yost came to Columbus to interview for the Ohio State head coaching gig. Yost wanted the job badly. He wanted the job too badly. Yost was in his mid-twenties and still had the fire of his playing days at West Virginia in his veins. So, like any job interview, Yost came to OSU's campus to talk about his qualifications and show off. It may have been the worst interview of all time. During the interview, Yost decided it would be a smart idea to demonstrate place and football techniques. He did just that, knocking a student and faculty member to the ground. Ohio State historian Jack Park recounted what happened next in the official encyclopedia of Ohio State football. After Yost demonstrated his physical competence on both a student and faculty member, instructions were given to get that wild man off the campus. Yost left town without a job offer. The Buckeyes would hear from Fielding Yost again, very soon. With the wild man Yost out of the picture, Ohio State resumed its head coach hunt. They found a man of impeccable credentials, reputation, and skill. Their man, their new head coach, was David Farragut Edwards. Edwards played halfback at Mighty Princeton. The Lantern Ohio State student newspaper introduced Edwards in its 1897 season preview. Our new coach, David F. Edwards, graduated from Princeton last year and was secured by the board of directors after a careful search in all quarters. Edwards was the staunch halfback of his alma mater's 11 and many times covered himself with honor upon the gridiron. Now the Buckeyes had their coach, but what did the prospects hold for the season ahead? The Lantern looked into their crystal ball and were not so confident. What is Ohio State this year? The Lantern does not proclaim them as brilliant, 
but it does affirm that they are encouraging. Coach Edwards saw familiar foes and big challenges on the 1897 schedule. First up, Ohio Medical. The school that would turn into OSU's Madden Dentistry Schools was the home opener. That should be fairly easy sledding. While Ohio Medical was no slouch, the Buckeyes were extremely familiar with them from their three games last season. Looking down the schedule further, Edwards saw that the end of the year took an interesting turn. The year's big Thanksgiving week game would be against a formidable foe, Ohio Wesleyan. Wesleyan's new coach no doubt circled the game on his calendar. After all, Wesleyan's coach was passed over for the top OSU coaching job. Wesleyan's new coach was the wild man, Fielding Yost. And while the start of the season was a familiar foe, and the end of the season filled with coaching intrigue, it was the game in the middle that would be won for the record books. In October, Ohio State would line up against an opponent they had never played before, an opponent that had already distinguished itself as one of the best programs in the country, and maybe the best program on this side of the Appalachian Mountains, Michigan. Coach Edwards had talent. The team would look to lean heavily on senior halfback Harry Hawkins, the captain of the Buckeyes. The able feet of Hawkins could break a game wide open. The schedule was set, the players and new coach were ready. The 1897 season was underway. First up, the dentists and doctors of Ohio Medical. The Lantern captured the optimism heading into the game and rallied support behind the team. Every OSU student should make it a point to turn out in force to give again the yell which has cheered on to victory many a team from the Ohio State University and as OSU is winning laurels for itself in the branches of learning, let it also point with pride to the laurels it has won on the athletic field. The opening game against Crosstown foe Ohio Medical got real ugly. The Lantern, again, detailed the action. The game was hard fought from start to finish. In the second half, the ball was carried over the line of OSU for a touchdown. This touchdown was the first one that Ohio Medical has ever scored against OSU and probably the last. Shortly after, OSU captain Harry Hawkins was sent through the Ohio Medical line for an OSU touchdown. And this is where the circus began. One Ohio medical man, green with rage, sprang on Captain Hawkins while he was down and attempted to catch him by the throat with his teeth. Ohio State coach Edwards noted the danger in which Captain Hawkins was placed and jumped in and pulled the man off before he could take a piece out of Captain Hawkins' throat. The Ohio medical men claimed that Ohio State coach Edwards pushed Captain Hawkins over the line for a touchdown, which was absurd as Coach Edwards, simply to save Captain Hawkins from injury, pulled the man away after the touchdown was made. The referee refused to allow the claim of Ohio Medical and their Captain Jones and his Tigers packed up their tin dishes and went home. The game was declared in favor of OSU on account of the refusal of Ohio Medical to continue to play. A win 
was a win. The Buckeyes had their first victory, and Hawkins, thankfully, still had an intact throat. But the next week, Edwards could not save the Buckeyes from a beating. Case defeated the Buckeyes 14 to nothing. OSU now stood at 1-1. One and one. To rebound from the loss, the Buckeyes would need to do so against an opponent they'd never played before, Michigan. Michigan stood as an early giant of college football. The Wolverines held a world-beating record of 26 wins, 3 losses, and 1 tie in their previous 3 seasons. The prior season they won 9 games, dropping only 1 on the road to the famous Amos Alonzo Stagg coach Chicago Maroons. The Wolverines entered the OSU game undefeated. But the Buckeyes had some reason to be cautiously optimistic. Like Ohio State, the Wolverines opened the season with a victory. But in their second game, Fielding Yost's Ohio Wesleyan team held the Wolverines to a tie. To be plain about it, Yost cheated. And he cheated in a pretty big way. Coach Yost, who had no eligibility to play college football, pretended to be his brother and started the game playing for Ohio Wesleyan. If that wasn't bad enough, Yost's team resorted to any means necessary to win. They pulled hair and they choked Michigan's players. Michigan was obviously outraged by the conduct of Coach Yost, and as a result, banned all of its athletic teams from scheduling Ohio Wesleyan in the future. But no matter how it happened, the Wolverines tying Ohio Wesleyan gave the Buckeyes hope. Maybe these Wolverines weren't as good as last year's squad. Maybe the Buckeyes had a chance against mighty Michigan. On Friday, at 3 o'clock, the Buckeyes left Columbus. 18 men made their journey north. 11 starters, 5 substitutes, Coach Edwards and his assistant. The team spent the night in Toledo. When they awoke, it was October 16th, 1897. The first ever Ohio State-Michigan game day. Admission to Regents Field in Ann Arbor was 50 cents. The Michigan band took the field, firing up the fans. The Wolverine band had a lot to celebrate that day. Michigan jumped on Ohio State early and took a 34-0 lead to halftime. The Wolverines put in substitutes in the second half, and not really much happened at all. Plain and simple, the Buckeyes were outplayed. In defeat, the Lantern took a highly unusual step. The summary of the first-ever Ohio State-Michigan game turned its focus to another team and coach, Fielding Yost in Ohio Wesleyan. The Lantern stingingly condemned Yost for cheating against Michigan. The faculty from the University of Michigan have forbidden their team to play any more games with Ohio Wesleyan University because they played their coach, Yost, under the name of his brother, also because of the slugging which they claimed Wesleyan indulged in throughout the game. This is greatly to be regretted, and it is surely no credit to Wesleyan to play her coach, who is professionalized in an amateur football game. Let a college be tainted by professionalism once, it is a difficult task to recover its lost prestige, and the sooner college teams play strictly amateur football, the better it will be for the fair name of amateur sport. Ohio State may have lost the game playing Michigan, but at least they didn't lose their integrity like Fielding Yost in his Ohio Wesleyan squad. 
the Buckeyes stood at 1-2 and, and salvaged a 12-12 draw against Otterbein in their next game. And then the wheels fell off. OSU was shut out by Columbus Barracks, a forerunner of Fort Hayes, 6-0. They were throttled by Oberlin, 44-0. They were pummeled by West Virginia, 28-0. And, well, Cincinnati added to it, hanging a 24-0 defeat on the Buckeyes. OSU was reeling. With an atrocious 1-6-1 record, attendance plummeted. The sparse crowds put OSU's athletic department in dire financial straits. Coach Edwards had one final opportunity to right the ship, one final game to end the season on a high note. It was time for the big Thanksgiving week matchup. Standing in Edwards' way was the wild man, Fielding Yost and Ohio Wesleyan. Yost's team was ready for a fight. This Ohio Wesleyan team would go to any lengths to win, and they were finding a lot of wins. While the Buckeyes struggled mightily, Wesleyan put forward a banner year. Owu entered the game 6-1-1 and and on a four-game winning streak. The Buckeyes went all out that week to prepare. They scrimmaged against Ohio Medical. Players from seasons past came to campus to lend a hand in practice. Excitement around the game swelled with overflow crowds expected. The Lantern headline read, The Great Game and urged OSU supporters on. The Delaware crowd will leave Delaware tomorrow on six special cars with all kinds of enthusiasm and expectation. Their colors will be seen everywhere, and their students have even ordered special hats for the occasion decorated with their colors. It's safe to say that they will be in evidence on the field with their yell, which does so much to encourage a team and the students from Ohio State University should make it a point to procure scarlet and gray in abundance and keep together during the game to encourage every good play with yells. And if the tide of battle is against OSU, yell harder than ever. For encouragement like this is the kind most needed, and it will surely brace the team. It was game day. The rain poured in Columbus. Nonetheless, a thousand spectators showed up to see the David and Goliath matchup. Could Coach Edwards and his Buckeyes end their losing ways and snap the winning streak of the crafty fielding Yost? Or would Yost, the man kicked off of Ohio State's campus for his wild ways, get the last laugh? In the rain, the mud, and the muck, OSU hung tough, but it was Yost an Ohio Wesleyan who left with a 6-0 victory. Alexander Lilly, Ohio State's first coach, served as umpire for the game. As the rain fell hard upon the field, after the team's seventh loss, Lilly, the father of Ohio State's coaching legacy, could only hope that better times would soon be around the corner. Mercifully, the season was over. Coach Edwards' Buckeyes team had won only a single game. The writing was on the wall. Coach Edwards was fired. Coach David Farragut Edwards couldn't cut it in the Midwest. So where did he go next? Texas. In spite of his one-win season at OSU, the Longhorns hired Edwards to be their head coach. Surprisingly, Edwards' team at Texas excelled. 
They finished the season 5-1, but in Texas lore, Coach Edwards is remembered for one other thing. Edwards hated Texas's burnt orange and white colors. Who can blame him? He hated them so much that he moved to change the colors to maroon and orange. The effort outraged Texans and backfired. As a result, a successful movement built among the Texas community that officially made the burnt orange and white colors we see today. Even in winning at Texas, Edwards found a way to lose. And after one season at the helm of the Longhorns, Edwards would never coach again. The wild man fielding Yost took another path. Yost left Ohio Wesleyan for greener pastures at Nebraska. As seasons passed, Yost would crisscross the country with coaching stints. Then, in 1901, he would finally settle to become the head man at Michigan. Time apparently does heal all wounds. The Wolverines forgave Yost for cheating in the 1897 contest. And Michigan, who was so outraged with Yost that it banned its teams from playing Ohio Wesleyan, relented. The Wolverines, with Yost as their head man, played Ohio Wesleyan again in 1905. Michigan easily won the contest. It would be far from the last time that the crafty Yost stood in the Buckeyes' way. At Ohio State, things soon went from bad to worse. Ohio State President James Canfield suspended athletics altogether. The Athletic Association was in debt, driven by low attendance at football games. Fans just couldn't stomach the losing that took place under Coach Edwards. OSU's president wanted the debt paid off before restarting athletics. Buckeye students strung together fundraisers to pay off the debt, and soon, athletics were up and running again. Yet it was all a cautious tale. A losing season hurt more than the football team. Continued losing posed a big risk to the viability of all OSU athletics. Put simply, without wins, OSU would be broke. Ohio State needed an answer at head coach. The Buckeyes needed wins. They needed the atrocious one-win season of David Farragut Edwards to be an outlier in history not a habit. Now, one big question remained. How could Ohio State turn it around? Thanks for listening to I Want to Go Back, a podcast about the people, places, and events that shaped Ohio State football. I'm your host, Jim Baird. This podcast is part of Land Grant Holy Land's network of Buckeye podcasts. If you did like what you listened to, please give us a five-star rating and share it with your friends. Music for this episode was provided by Fields Ohio, so a special thanks to them. As you know, a podcast like this builds on great research already out there. If you want to read more, I'd encourage you to check out The Die Hard Fan's Guide to Buckeye Football by Mark Ray, as well as the absolutely invaluable the official Ohio State Football Encyclopedia by the legendary Jack Park. Both were terrific resources for me in my research and offer great insights into Ohio State football and OSU football history. Thanks for listening.